Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be talking about the new commanders in Phyrexia All Will Be One. Uh, we're going to have a separate, a separate episode later where we talk about the main deck cards, but for this one, we're just going to be focusing on the legendary creatures and how you can build around them. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that, let's jump into the commanders. What is the first commander we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so this uh, this one made a splash quite early on in the preview season. This is Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. So I just want to say sorry to everyone. I know you enjoyed Commander, but um, this might be the end, you know, because uh, when you read this text box, you're going to be going to be worried. <laughs> uh, just kidding. So Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, is a five mana, four seven vigilance. Uh, and she is a Phyrexian Praetor. So four and a white for a 4-7 Vigilance that says, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time, and permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanence your opponents control to trigger. So probably the most powerful card ever printed, right? That's, <laughs> that's what, what I'm looking at uh yeah i don't really get the uh the fears and doubts about elishnor and i also don't understand why she's currently going for 60 dollars on tcg player um like the yeah like sometimes the torpor orb effect is a little annoying but this is just like i mean we've seen a commander that was exactly like this except in one of the best color identities and it didn't like it was fine it didn't break the format in half elish norn is is just like much like being mono white compared to being like uh com- compared to being what what do we call in that one sultai is just so so much worse like i don't understand the fear at all yeah i i I don't either. I think this is a cool commander. I think it's cool to juice monocolors with abilities like this. Uh, and honestly, like, even though old Elish Norn is seven mana, like, I feel like that's way more griefer than this is. Like, there's just some commanders that just can't play through Elish Norn 1.0, you know? Like, yes. At least this is like, you still mostly get to play the game your activated abilities still activate your sorceries and instants still happen like this only hoses very particular decks in the same way that like uh vorinclex 2.0 the voracious hunter only hoses certain decks so i i just don't see the problem here i think this is probably a fun deck i think in cedh it's going to be a stacks list and in your local meta it's going to be uh, look, I drew two cards off of my dwarven guy. <laughs> you know, like nothing too crazy. Oh, look, I blew up two uh, enchantments with my space marine. <laughs> like not anything super crazy. And and honestly, you should be getting decent value in a mono colored commander. This is going to be a common theme uh, in this episode, <laughs> talking about <laughs> certain other legends, mono color legends. So 
I think this is fine. I don't think it's going to break the format. And uh, I think there's a cool list. Is there any tech in particular you'd want to talk about? Or do you want to keep yeah, moving? I, I, I do want to talk about uh, some combo potential with this commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have like a Restoration Angel or and a like Icewind Stalwart or an Icewind Stalwart or and a Felidar Gar- Guardian, just like any of these creatures that ETB blink something and return it to the battlefield immediately, then what you can do is like uh, Felidar Guardian blinks Restoration Angel and its ability is copied, and so you blink something else. And then Restoration Angel, the the like blink from Felidar Guardian resolves. So Restoration enters the battlefield, and then that blinks the Felidar Guardian and something else. Uh, and so what you have accomplished is like you get infinite blinks on this like third permanent that you have. So if that's like a priest of ancient lore or a spirited companion, then you draw infinite cards. You can win from there. If you're blinking like a mana rock um, uh, with your like Felidar Guardian, then you can just like generate infinite mana. Uh, there's it, it's just like. It is difficult to assemble in mono white. You're not especially good at searching out these cards, um, but it is a way for you to like win the game after you just fiddle around with your blinking for you know most of the game. Um, and there's a couple other cards that you can kind of swap in. Um, Lumbering Battlement helps. Uh, Eight Abdel Adrian Gorion's Ward. Uh, you can also combo off with these cards as well. But again, not something that's super you're, like you're not especially good at searching for creatures in this color identity. Uh, so it's something that will happen. Maybe you'll luck into it in the late game, but it's not something you're going to be able to consistently assemble. Most of your games are just going to be like, like you mentioned, I, I draw two cards off my dwarf cleric. Uh, but I think we can move on from there. Yes, um, sorry. <laughs> although, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, we do have a, a list for Elish Norn in the episode description if you want to just check out what this might look like. Um, but I'm going to move on to the next commander, which is Kemba Ka Enduring. This is one in the white for a 2-2 legendary creature cat cleric. Whenever Kemba or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature. Equipped creatures you control get plus and plus one, and you can pay three white white to create a two two white cat creature token. So, when I saw this, I, I immediately thought about uh, just doing a quick scryfall search for equipment with enormous equip costs. Yeah. So, like <laughs> Colossal Hammer will give you the biggest discount. Um, Blackblade Reforged might also not be a bad choice depending on like where in the game you are. Uh Argentum armor is like expensive on the front end, but if you can like drop it in somehow, like cheat it in with a stoneforge or something, then that's yeah. another good one to cheat the equip cost on. Um what do you think about Kemba other than just like cheating equip costs? What is there anything else you want to do with her? Not much. I think that like the there's some just old faithful equipment that like th- th- that's kind of the thing about this Kemba and pretty much every 
equipment commander in white, red, or red, white is like, you've seen all the tech already. Um, I think certain equipment shines better in certain decks. So in this deck in particular, like the Old Faithful big hitters. So like a Stratoscythe, like entering the battlefield, making your Kemba huge in the same way that like Black Blade Reforged does. Will nab you some one shots, uh, especially with like other double strike equipment. Um, and then like Scythe Claw, Quiet a Spike, like just to get your opponents dead like really quick. Like if you drop Kemba turn two, Quiet a Spike turn three, someone's at what like 16 life or something. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty quick clock right there, even if you're not necessarily killing with commander damage. So I really don't think there's anything special going on here, but if you're bored with your Balan deck, maybe he'll try. Kemba, and maybe that'll give you a another hit of that equipment that you were really needing that you were jonesing for, you know. Um, yeah. But with that, do you wanna do you wanna move on to this this next mono white commander? This is actually my favorite part of the set. Well, we'll talk more in particular, but I do love how many monocolored commanders there are in the set. Yes, uh, this next one is Mondrak Glory Dominus. It is two white-white for a 4-4 legendary creature Phyrexian Horror. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. And it also has one and white Phyrexian, white Phyrexian. So, I mean, could be three mana, could be one mana and four life, could be two mana and two life, uh, but that's the cost. And sacrifice two other artifacts and or creatures. Put an indestructible counter on Mondrak Glory Dominus. So essentially, this is Anointed Procession in the command zone with the ability to give itself indestructible. Um, This sounds pretty sweet. Uh, There are some fun things you can do in this color identity. Um, if you have nesting grounds, uh, nesting grounds is a land that allows you to move counters around across your permanence. Um, and so, you know, assuming you have enough token or artifact sack fodder, which you probably do, um, you can put multiple indestructible counters on Mondrak and then move them onto other things. Uh, so putting it onto like a Navinural's disc or a Magus of the disc or a boom pile seems really sweet. Uh, I admit it's not super easy to assemble combos in mono white. So maybe that's magical Christmas land. Um, (laughs) But there are some other cool things you can do. Uh, World Slayer is pretty sweet with all of these uh, Domini. Um, If you slap a World Slayer on Mondrak when he's indestructible, then, you know, everything blows up except for him in the World Slayer. And you should presumably be able to win from there. Um, Another cool thing is like the Ozolith can, if somehow like your opponent exiles Mondrak when he has an indestructible counter on it, you can just pop it onto the Ozolith and then put it back on Mondrak the next time he comes down. Um, Audric Lunark Marshall seems sweet because your commander is indestructible. He can spread that indestructibility across your creatures. Uh, there's, oh, and there's like some minor combo potential, not especially easy to pull off, but, um, Spawn Sire of Ulamog is a 10 mana 711 Eldrazi and it has a uh, pay four, 
create two zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens. They have sacrificed this creature, add colorless. So if you have your Mondrak out what with Spawn Sire at the same time, you can pay four mana and instead get four Eldrazi spawn. You can then sacrifice those four Eldrazi for four mana to activate the ability again. And the the end result is that you get infinite uh, death triggers, infinite ETB triggers. If you have, you know, like a, a soul warden effect, you can get infinite life. There's a, a lot of ways to to win in that situation. But the the, the tricky part is, of course, going to be finding your Eldrazi and then casting a 10-mana spell in a white deck. So uh, maybe take that combo with a pinch of salt. I think... I think the majority of the gameplay in Mondrak is not all the stuff I just mentioned and more just like I play Mondrak and then I cast Conqueror's Pledge for five mana and make 12 guys and try to win from there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think most of the time you're just going to be making tokens and then every like six or so games you're going to see World Slayer and be like, nice. Or you're going to be like, some other combo thing and that'll be the line that you take and that that was my favorite part of playing mono white uh with like god eternal ketra or uh audric 2.0 and stuff like that where like in general you're doing a thing and then every now and then you do something wild which felt very commandery to me and that's really like all i have to say about mondrak in particular is i love the really strong incentive to stay in mono white. Like they took one of probably the most loved white slash green, but mono white cards and turn it into a commander. And also you can make it indestructible. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. I love incentives to stay in one color. So if this gets more people to play mono white and the other ones get people to play mono color, then that makes me really happy. So do you mind if I read off this next one? No, go for it. So this is Skrelv, Defector Might. So uh, Skrelv is a 1-1 legendary artifact creature Phyrexian Might. So very, very small text on that type line. Um, They cost a single white mana, so MV1. And they have two abilities, Toxic 1. Well, I guess three abilities because Skrelv, Defector Might cannot block. And Phyrexian White tap choose a color another target creature you control gains toxic one and hex proof from that color until end of turn it can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn so the phyrexian could be two life so it could be two life and tap or it could be white and tap to make that happen so like in essence this is kind of just a uh, weird mother of runes variant like mm-hmm. you have to pay two life but it's a one mana like protection guy. Um, it has toxic. It helps creatures get in there. Um, so how how do you feel about Skrelv? What do you think a Skrelv list looks like? Uh, man, I don't think that there's a whole lot of build around here. Um, yeah, <laughs> like you can run cheap double strikers and grant them toxic and evasion, but toxic one is just super weak like getting two poison counters per combat when you need to deal 30 or get 30 poison counters on people to win the game is really slow you could try to do something where you're like untapping screlve 
so that you could activate it multiple times and like get multiple stacks of toxic. But I don't know if that's super easy. Um, and it's it's still going to take you a while and be very obvious and fragile what you're doing. Um, I think that Skrelv might have more potential in the main deck. I you know the the life payment is not really a big deal in Commander, and if you already have your Mother of Runes and your give your Giver of Runes, and you really want more of that effect, I think it's reasonable to put this in your deck. You know, it it could work out in some places. I think it's interesting yeah. that they are avoiding the use of uh, the language for protection here. That they're basically just doing you know eighty to ninety percent of what protection usually means in a game of Magic. Yeah. But they're not- <laughs> go in the full way which is uh kind of interesting yeah i think that's specifically because uh so there was a twitter discussion uh last week in particular talking about the swords swords of x and y and how in the modern day especially in equipment deck they're uh more challenging to use because if you give uh a let's say you have a sword of fire and ice in your like red white equipment deck all of a sudden your uh ember cleave falls off (laughs) when you (laughs) equip your sword of fire and ice so like the fact that there's more colored artifacts means that there is more likely these inconsistent play patterns or uh thing things like that are more likely to happen um so i think what screlv is doing is to avoid feel bad moments like that even though they have embraced protection in certain cases again that doesn't mean that i like it (laughs) Uh, and i really don't think this is gonna be a commander where you rush to see all the time but i do think it's generally good in white decks like this is an example of a card where like on the the old commander theory blog reviews when you do a spread like grade of like how many decks this goes in scroll is like a five right like this goes in any deck that you'd put mother of runes in which is a lot of white decks right so yeah it's easy to fit yeah you can just put this into most decks and it'll work so i'm I'm not really rushing to put it anywhere in particular but it is good in white decks so <laughs> that's counts for something um and also counts as the last white card. So do you want to get into our first mono blue commander? Yes. The first uh, commander we're going to be talking about is Tekuthal Inquiry Dominus. It is two blue blue for a three five legendary creature Phyrexian Horror. It has flying. And if you would proliferate, proliferate twice instead. It also has one and blue Phyrexian, blue Phyrexian. Remove three counters from among other artifacts, creatures, and planeswalkers you control. Put an indestructible counter on Tekuthal Inquiry Dominus. So uh, there are some decent targets in this color identity. Um, although I honestly think like Tekuthal is a worse proliferate commander than another one we're going to be talking about later in this episode. Um, but but you can do some cool things. You can put extra counters on uh, your Everflowing Chalice or your Astral Cornucopia to get more mana. You can put more counters on your Tufi so that when it leaves the battlefield, you draw more cards. Uh, you can put counters on a Lux Cannon so you can blow up more permanents more frequently. Or you could put it on a Magistrate's Scepter and depending on how like consistently you're able to proliferate, you just win the game right there. Um, 
there's also a couple planeswalkers in mono blue that have powerful uh ult abilities that you might want to think about running in here like tezzeret betrayer of flesh if you can get like one proliferate on him with like tekuthal out uh like the turn he comes down then you can ult him immediately and just have this powerful emblem that lets you draw tons of cards when you tap your artifacts um and then teferi master of time is able to uh, well he ults pretty quickly uh if you're like proliferating him kind of at all and and activating his ability on your opponent's turns so cool stuff um do you have any more thoughts about how it ways to use Techfall? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my my thoughts are pretty general because, like, any card that gives you counters is good in Techfall. <laughs> like, like if you give each of your opponents one poison counter with, uh, so spoiler alert: there's a common in this set that's three mana, uh, draw a card. Each opponent gets a poison. So all you got to do is cast that instant or whatever it is, and then... It's actually only two mana. Oh, it's two mana? Even better. Blue burn. Mono blue burn, everybody. Deal four damage to each opponent. <laughs> um, so all you have to do is cast that, and then every time you proliferate, you kill everybody a little more. Like, you could put counters on your guys, and they get upsettingly huge really fast. You could, like you said, uh, magist the... Oh, what's it called? Uh, Magistrate Scepter. I was going to call mm-hmm. it Magistrate Staff, which gives you extra turns. Toothy draws you to like probably too many cards at that point. <laughs> so there's just like a million ways to win if you're getting two, four, eight counters a turn on every single one of your permanents that get counters. So this is one of the commanders where I think we're just going to see like dozens of variants on it you know like in the same way that like a talrand is really broad you're like i just need to cast instants and sorceries like tekuthal is like as long as i put some proliferate cards in my deck i will win somehow (laughs) like it's it's really really open-ended um but there's some more tech do you want to get into the uh the other tech for this deck yeah, I'm just going to briefly run through this for all of the mm-hmm. Domini. But Music again, to my ears. Music yeah. to my ears. <laughs> uh, nesting Grounds lets you move around indestructible counters. Uh, World Slayer is, again, very good when your commander is indestructible. And has flying. Um, yes, and has flying. Uh, and the Ozolith can help you save your indestructible counter if you're worried about uh, if you're worried about like exile removal or bounce or something. Um but with that, I think we can move on to the next commander who yeah, this guy, I, I find this very guy. exciting. This guy's wild. Yeah, do you want to get into him? Yeah, so Unctus Grand Metatect is one blue-blue for a 2-4 legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Vidalcan. Uh, it has other blue creatures you control have. Whenever this creature becomes tapped, draw a card, then discard a card. He also has other artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one and you can pay a single Brexian blue and until end of turn target creature you control becomes a blue artifact in addition to its other colors and types activate only as a sorcery so uh we have a list it is in the episode description um but the most important thing you should know is this is a one-card combo with a Fedo Alchemist or Tidewater Minion. 
Um, so Fidel Alchemist and Tidewater Minion both have the ability to like tap themselves to untap things, uh, notably themselves. So you tap a Fedo Alchemist untapping itself, and Unctus is going to trigger. So you are back where you started, except Unctus uh, allowed you to loot. So you can keep doing that, and you will eventually have gone through your entire library. Uh, and along the way, you've found your Thassa's Oracle. Congrats, you did it. You won the game. You've done it, everyone. <laughs> uh, so that is like the absolute best thing to do with Unctus, but it's not incredibly easy to find a creature in a mono blue color identity. You have like, there's some cards with, with, with like wizard cycling or um, a, like transmute, I guess. But for the most part, you are going to have to play a real game of magic. Um, and so to do that, I, I think you would probably just run like I put in uh mana dorks i put in like other looters because i think once you're looting for multiple at a time it starts getting pretty good um uh, i i think you could potentially run some things like uh like not quite combo pieces but that work pretty well like puppeteer for example um it's like an afeto alchemist it's blue tap you may tap or untap target creature so rather than going fully infinite like the alchemist or the tidewater minion, it's just blue loot, which is not a terrible way to spend your mana if you're not doing anything else. Um, there's a couple ways to get value off of the discarding you're doing. There's like mm, really only one or two good madness cards, but there's plenty some decent delve cards. Uh, there are cards like containment construct and bag of holding that let you either hold on to or cast the things that you're discarding. Um, Currency Converter can also get you a little bit of extra value off of discarding things. Um, There's a handful of cards with like decent flashback rates or like flashback rates that are better than their normal rates, like Deep Analysis or Echo of Eons. Um, lots Lots of neat stuff. It seems like incredibly incredibly dirtly until you win the game which is a style of gameplay i i greatly enjoy yeah <laughs> but but do you have any thoughts about unctus no i think you hit the nail on the head like you're pretty succinct with everything this guy's pretty busted i expect him to like i i pretty much only watch cdh gameplay but i would be surprised if this was not on some YouTube channel in the next like few months, this Unctus is just incredibly powerful. Um, so th- the really the only thing that I want to add to this is that I do enjoy that now uh, the need to make fun commanders for Arena means that they're okay printing these nasty little guys <laughs> that can just combo easily in Eternal formats because on Arena it's fine, right? Like on Arena you're just chilling those cards don't exist you just kind of have to make like a cool blue deck that uses artifacts and untapping and etc etc and you just get value but like in commander it's obviously this powerhouse three drop that in some cases might be able to just win you the game outright so it's it's interesting to see how the needs of wizards is pushing 
designs like this to be okay again when at one point in time i feel like they were straying from this but this is also in the same set as like scrawl and stuff so like this is that's going to be another thing like kemba is is in this set like very one-dimensional so i think the having a wide array of power level is a good thing for Mm -hmm. commander players and commander in general Um, i think they were smart in like unctus does not look sexy yeah (laughs) timmy is not going to gravitate towards unctus like this card is incomprehensible and like honestly the deck i built only uses one of these three abilities um like i i i think it's cool to like hide the powerful commanders um so that only like perverts like me are gonna really pay attention to them yeah i totally agree i think looting is not very appealing to especially new players they're like ah <laughs> I don't even keep the card. <laughs> so uh yeah, I think they did a really good job with this. Um, which gets us to this next guy. Can I read off our first mono black commander? Yes, go ahead. So this is Drivnod, Carnage Dominus. So Drivnod is a five mana, three black black for an eight three legendary creature, Phyrexian Horror. So Drivnod says if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time and then has the Dominus ability. Uh, This one costs two Phyrexian Black mana. So Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black, or four life, or a black and two. You know, pick your poison. Um, Pun intended there. Uh, Exile three creature cards from your graveyard. Put an indestructible counter on Drivnod. So... The two Phyrexian mana, exile three creature cards from your graveyard, you get that indestructible counter. Uh, yeah, so, th- I mean, this basically looks like Tesa 3.0, but in mono black, but also it's an 8-3. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like the audience already knows what they want to do with this, you know? Uh, I, I like this design a lot. Um, for... One thing, I actually kind of like that this costs five, whereas the first two Domini we looked at cost four, because like realistically, you kind of want to play the other two for on turn five anyway, um, so that you can keep a mana up to activate their ability. But with Drivnod, um with Drivnod, like because there's no generic mana part of the activated ability, you can just cast him on turn five and not keep anything else up, which is kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. This like honestly, this one in particular seems like the easiest one to get the indestructible counter on. Like it, barring the red one, which we'll talk about. Like you, all you have to do is have played some creatures or milled or sacked some creatures. You know, like done what your deck is doing yeah my first thought was just like cycling guys just like really cheap cycling you know because that's basically no opportunity cost to run as long as you can spare like zero to one mana in the first four turns of the game to just like convert that into a resource for Drivnod, then seems pretty easy um I like, I mean, indestructibility in mono black is pretty sweet. 
there are just some really filthy things you can do. Um, you know, my mind gravitated towards spreading plague, of course. Uh, other things that work well, I mean, if you can afford it, like there's the abyss, or you could run just mages of the abyss. You could run a million board wipes. Um, I it, it's a lot better, even though like mono white also does have access to um a lot of board wipes. Like the fact that that deck was all about building up your board with more creatures and more tokens, and this deck is about like having your guys die. It's just way more synergistic here to run those types of cards. Yeah. Um. This yeah, this deck seems really sweet. Uh, I'm. I'm talking myself into building it as we speak. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pretty, I mean, I agree once again with most things that you're saying. I think the funny thing about this too that I would do is like, it's probably worth running like a card that grants double strike or a card that grants trample because like it's going to be so easy to just destroy <laughs> someone with Drivnod with eight power. Like, seem like one card does not seem like that high of an opportunity cost in I, like your whole deck with if you if you built the, the deck you know with yeah, card I advantage was, and whatnot um there god i i hate that grafted exoskeleton says like sacrifice equipped creature instead of yeah. like destroy equipped creature yeah <laughs> but i'm still tempted it that's a curve like a drivnod turn five Play and equip exoskeleton turns. <laughs> yeah, and then just murder somebody. <laughs> like it seemed like the opportunity opportunity cost is so low that it's like, mm, yeah, why not? Because yeah, it's it's tempting for sure. Yeah, and then um, and then we got our our fun little suite of of cards that work good with the Dominus. So, do you want me to read them off? Do you want to read them off again? Uh, Nesting Grounds, uh, World Slayer, the Ozolith, you, you know the stuff. We, we're not going to say it. Yeah, Ozolith. Blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, so we're going to get to our next Mono Black Commander. This is Geth Thane of Contracts. So, um, you might be noticing I, uh, there's a lot of Phyrexians in this set. This is Geth Thane of Contracts, which is a legendary creature Phyrexian zombie. Uh, so Geth uh, skipped leg day for a few years. He's a 3-4 for 3 mana, 1 black black. Uh, other creatures you control get minus 1, minus 1. And 1 black black tap. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains if this creature would leave the battlefield. Exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. And activate this only as a sorcery. So... Yeah, basically, this is a mono black reanimator in the command zone. Uh, it shrinks all your guys, so you just only want to make the most impactful ones. Um, and oh, dang, I hate running impactful creatures in my reanimator deck. I know, the worst. Oh, no. You're telling me I have to play ETB creatures and creatures that are will win me the game on their own? <laughs> like, oh, no. So, yeah, this just seems pretty self-explanatory to me. You know, like, if... It's it's all the normal reanimator tech. You're gonna play your entomb. You're gonna play every entomb. You're gonna play yeah. discard outlets. You're gonna uh, play your geth and get three mana and tap him. And you're gonna reanimate something, and the table's gonna have to deal with it or die. So if you like that gameplay, this is probably the best version of that. It it fits in a mono beast squad. So like 
it doing black generic things enough that it works with all your other black generic <laughs> commanders yeah, yeah which is pretty funny but yeah do you have anything else uh, you want to mention uh, I will just say that although there are not a ton of blink effects in this color identity, um, they do let you get around uh, the the clause, the exile clause in Geth's contract. Because um, if you are like exiling something to a conjurer's closet, you are you're doing what Geth asked. Like it is going to get exiled instead of leaving instead of like being put anywhere else but it is also just being returned afterwards um so keep that in mind it's a way to make your like big reanimator targets a little less vulnerable uh but other than that i don't have anything else to say and i'm happy to move on to the next commander yeah so this next one uh was not expected at all at least by me maybe i don't even think he's mentioned in the story i think this is a new character right Yes, uh, this is Karumanex the Rat King. It is one black-black for a 3-3 legendary creature Phyrexian rat. It has Toxic 1. Other rats you control have Toxic 1. And when Karumanex enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of rat cards from among them and put the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, uh, I I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Skrelv, but... Uh, toxic one just kind of sucks it's 10 hits per opponent is a lot and uh, you're like presumably running caramonics the head of like a a rat colony or like relentless rat rat tribal list and like really your creatures are going to be so big that they will let like 10 hits that they're going to be killing your opponents before you get enough poison counters on them to do it that way it seems like pretty unnecessary yeah um it is kind of cool it's kind of cool that it like draws two to three cards when it enters the battlefield that's not bad um but like you know we just got a rat tribal commander in jumpstart 2022 uh maronar is still a fine choice for a rat tribal commander i don't think this card needed to exist uh i i think there are a lot of other cool black characters that i would rather have seen get cards in this set like there's seven thanes in in phyrexia and we're only seeing like three of them in this set just throwing that out there no i i agree i think it is cool that the problem with like the etb it's this is we've talked about this before on the show like etb triggers on commanders are kind of a letdown especially if you're not like nowadays in white or blue because the blink is just not there in these colors mm-hmm. so like if there is it was easier to like blink caramonics then it would probably be a pretty good rat commander right because you just like spend zero effort draw a bunch of cards every turn but instead it's kind of revolving around the weird toxic thing which doesn't really matter because yeah. I think like this is kind of geared towards making your relentless rats and rat colonies like deck work again. But again, we did get uh, the what's his face from uh, Jumpstart uh, recently. Ashcoat of the Shadow Swarm, which like when he attacks or blocks other rats you control, get like a coat of arms effect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> which I would rather have. 
I think that'll kill your opponents a lot faster than the toxic, which like doesn't even keep pace with like the damage you're dealing. Yeah, absolutely. Once you you have like Karamonix and like two rat colonies out, they're already dealing four damage. Like that's the same pace as toxic one. Yeah. Any more rats and they're dealing damage faster. And then of course that's not even taking into account the fact that like nobody else is dealing poison, but other people are dealing damage to your opponents. Like it's uh Toxic one is a joke. Don't don't put it on commanders. It sucks. Yeah, it's really funny. So, oh well. Um, with that said, we got okay. We have a few more black commanders. I forgot. Oh, because this one is a set booster one. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it set booster or theme? It's one of those. It's one of the extra booster cards. But yes, this is a this is actually a jump start. Oh, this is the the all be one jump start commander. Okay. Yes. So this is Kinzu of the Bleak Coven. So this is a five mana, five four flyer. They are a legendary cur- They are a legendary creature for Exian Vampire. And they say, whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may pay two life and exile it. If you do create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's a one-one and has toxic one. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I not sure why this is a card. I feel the same way. Uh Micaeus the Unhallowed mostly accomplishes the same thing uh without shrinking your guys, without exiling your guys forever, and he also has combo potential. Uh so I don't really and of course like the toxic one on here as a, is a joke as we just described absolutely um, so i don't really know why you would be super keen on running this particular card okay, so so here's my scenario this is why you'd want to run kinzu oh, over okay. Micaeus. is you're playing with your friends you play your Micaeus decks a few times they go oh, oh Micaeus. and then you go hmm okay and then you don't change the deck and you just play kinzu as the commander instead and then they're your friend again and that's uh, that's pretty and, much the and what happens yeah. to your win rate in this yeah. <laughs> exactly i mean yeah it's obviously uh much worse uh, i do think it's funny that you could slot it in and just all of a sudden you have a commander like a beginner friendly play experience but like whatever that's that's you it's fine <laughs> yeah. uh this last one's pretty disappointing too do you want to read off this next guy Yes, uh, this is Vron Executioner Thane. It is one in a black for a 2-2 legendary creature Phyrexian Vampire. Whenever one or more other creatures you control die, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. This ability triggers only once each turn. That's the, uh, like, ah, uh, come on. <laughs> you know, there's only four lines of text on this card, uh, and, like, a third of that text is like nerf is just like inserted by play design to make your card worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So like, although the individual triggers hit for more life than most blood artist effects, um, it just sucks that like he can't get multiple triggers when your board gets wiped and he can't act as the win condition for graveyard loops. Like Ellis Ilcor is, was printed like, two sets ago as an uncommon and just beats the hell out of Fraun, like no question. Um, like maybe, maybe, maybe you would think about running Fraun in like one of your aristocrats decks. 
but I think it'd be one of the I think it'd be one of the worst ones because like you can't combo with it and it's bad against like your opponent's board wipes. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling. Yeah. It's like that. I was trying to think of like why you would want to run this. Like it, it is mono black. So mana base is cheap and like it's, it is technically fast. Like if you get like your goonies out um, and you're just sacking one a turn and they're kind of recycling each other, like it kills in like five turns, you know, one sack per turn, but that's assuming no one's messing with you, you know, and, and then you could do the same thing in Ellis with <laughs> multiple sacks in a turn. So it just, I don't, I don't like this guy. Like I, I understand that. I understand that he is stronger than he looks, but I also don't think he's that strong in the best case. So with that said, let's get on to the mono red commanders do you want to read off this next this next one is a sick throwback (laughs) (laughs) uh so this next one is uh one of the set booster exclusive cards um it is chisgoria forge tyrant six red 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 for a five four legendary creature dragon but it has affinity for artifacts so it costs one less for each artifact you control it has flying and haste and whenever Chiscoria attacks, exile the top five cards of your library. You may cast an artifact spell from among them this turn. If you do, it has affinity for artifacts. Um, and just to throw some quick stats at you, um, using the hypergeometric calculator, if you've got 27 artifacts in your deck, uh, you get an 80% hit rate on the attack trigger. And if you're running 36 artifacts, you get a 90% hit rate on that attack trigger. So that's pretty sweet. Um, I could see you getting Chiscoria down pretty early in the game. Um, just because there's you know so many good mana rocks. Andy himself costs less mana. Um, but I don't know if this is like... Personally, I don't find this very compelling compared to some of the other mono red artifact commanders we have like i would almost always rather run Duretti or kirkesh but what do you think about chiscoria uh i like it in <laughs> i i'm like i play mono red so much i i have a kirkesh list that i love and i love playing all the time um and i was thinking about building this in addition to <laughs> just because it's gonna have a slightly different play pattern and i have most of the cards already but yeah it's it's really like six to one at this point there's there's a mono red uh, artifact commander in the set we're about to talk about that's probably just going to be way better for you <laughs> but mm-hmm. this is a five four flying haste dragon so if if that gets your motor going then you know more power to you so um i think with all that said uh let's get on to this next little guy he's a real he's a go-getter <laughs> can i yeah. read him off real quick yes go ahead and this also, I think, is one of the the uh, uh, jumpstart booster ones, right? Or Correct. whatever. It's from that same one. So that is right. This, yeah, this is Ruck Hexgold Nabber. So this is a two-two Goblin Rebel for three mana, two and a red. Ruck has Trample and Haste, and whenever equipped creature you control, other than Ruck uh, Hexgold Nabber attacks or dies, you may attach all equipment attached to that creature to Ruck. So he steals stuff when they attack or die basically is what he says so 
three mana, two, two, trample haste, steal stuff on attacker die. How do you feel about it? Uh, I don't think there's a ton of ways to get sick value off of this. Um, one thing you could do is like run living weapon or four Mirrodin guys. Um, and then you get it when they die, you get the free equip onto Ruck because most of those have like pretty expensive equip costs. Um, <clears throat> you could run things that like cheat equip costs. So like Armory Automaton, Gold Warden's Gambit, Kazool's Tool Collector, Volshock Battlemaster, Reckless Crew. All of them kind of like slap equipment onto themselves or like make tokens and then slap equipment onto them. So you can run those things and then when they die, you get the free equip onto Ruck. Um, I don't know if that's it seems like a lot of work because like the creatures dying in between um makes it or, or like the fact that you have to that like cast these cards like casting the armory automaton cast the Volshock battle master um like that is mana you could have just spent to equip things and like cut out the middleman um I I don't know maybe I'm doing this wrong or maybe i'm thinking about this wrong it just seems like it's why not just run like cheap equip costs yeah (laughs) yeah no i i I feel the same way i think if you're trying to maximize the trigger that's the best way to do it um but is that compelling i don't know (laughs) like mm, uh, maybe like the kazool's toll collector is really funny to me like dropping an argentum armor like attaching it to Kazool's Toll Collector and then attack, like dropping Ruck and attacking, like that's pretty funny. But is it good? I don't, I don't really think so. the The only thing I'm going to really add to like your analysis of this is that like I've finally come around. Like it's it's beaten me enough times that I've uh, come to respect the Brass Squire a little bit because like it looks kind of bad. You know, you're like a three mana Mur that taps to a equip and equipment to one of your creatures you're like okay that uh, whatever that's stupid but like in essence it's basically like a uh mana mer it's like a three mana tap to add between two and five mana to your mana pool to equip um and then decks like this you were gonna do that anyways so it's basically just like another mana mer for your deck um so i i think i would play that here as well as all the things that you said like at bare minimum you can equip something (laughs) for free again get around that uh condition but i I don't really have too much more to say about it and Uh, i spilled some water so if you want to keep on going uh, i'll be right back (laughs) no worries i'll I'll keep talking um so yeah i i did i do want to emphasize like okay most of my analysis was focusing on the dies part like you can still move the equipment over when your other creatures attack but it still has the problem of like I'm playing the Volshock Battlemaster. I'm paying five mana for Volshock Battlemaster to slap things onto it and attack to move all those things onto Rook. When I when like five mana will usually go a pretty long way towards just equipping your other good equipment onto Rook. Um, so weird card, especially like given the context that we just saw Kemba, which is like cheaper and like much more efficient at slapping equipment onto your guys 
but you know, I guess it's a jump start card, and so they're not really trying to push this super hard. Um, but I think we can move on to the next commander, which is Slow Bad Iron Goblin. He is two and a red for a three three legendary creature, Phyrexian Goblin Artificer. Uh, he has tap, sacrifice an artifact, add an amount of red equal to the sacrificed artifact's mana value. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. And man, the the first thing about this card that really hit me is like, I greatly wish that they had worded the mana production like Power Stone mana. Um, like, I there are things that are not spells that I would really love to be, or spells or um, activated abilities that I would really love to be able to spend that mana on because it would be quite nice if we could like sacrifice an artifact creature, generate a bunch of mana and then use that mana to then pay for the triggered ability on the, on like a Nim death mantle and like return the artifact creature back to the battlefield. That would open up a lot of combo potential and it's just like kind of feel bad that like, you know, four months ago, three months ago, we had Illuminor Zerus, which uh, oh, yeah. was two and a black for a 3-3 three, three legendary artifact creature Necron that had tap, sacrifice another creature, add an amount of black equal to the sacrifice creature's mana value. And there were no other restrictions on top of that. Uh, they had to nerf the the heck out of Illuminor Zerus to get him into red, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, um, we can't have red being too good. Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of disappointing. Um Thornbite Staff is an important card in this deck. Once it's equipped onto Slow Bad, it'll allow you to keep sacrificing artifacts for mana, provided they're also creatures. Um, you could try to assemble like a real goofy combo where, like, okay, you got your Thornbite Staff on Slow Bad, you've got your Mirror Retriever and like a Workshop Assistant or a Junk Diver, um, but assembling you know three plus card combos is is not easy in mono red and i think the best use of slow bad is just like trying to play fairly quote unquote and like ramp into a portal to phyrexia or a blight steel colossus or just some other like huge artifact boom boom uh but do you have any thoughts on slow bad anything you want to add um not really i think you've kind of hit the nail on the head like the restrictions really push you into playing fair and that's fine i think this deck will be fun i honestly think that slow bad uh slow bad iron goblin will probably be more fun than chiscoria forge tyrant I, but I, agree with I, that. I do appreciate that they're both throwbacks so i i did want a decent amount of those Sulfim mayhem dominus is two red red for a five four legendary creature phyrexian horror if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. Sulfim also has one Red Phyrexian, Red Phyrexian. Discard two cards. Put an indestructible counter on Sulfim. So, uh, your bolts kind of become Doom Blades. Like Once you're dealing six damage, uh, that's probably killing whatever you're hitting. Uh, other cool stuff like direct damage to opponents kind of scales to commander like a flame rift where 
you you're spending two mana and dealing eight to each opponent like that is becoming significant at that point uh other cool stuff like anything that just like deals there's a lot of cards out there that just deal three damage to everything like brotherhood's end uh anger the gods um sweltering suns flame break so any of those cards like first off they don't kill sulfim even if you don't have an indestructible counter on him yet um but they deal six damage to all your opponent stuff and that's gotta clear a significant portion of the board um i don't know what this deck does if your opponents just kind of like refuse to commit more creatures or, or like refuse to send more creatures into the slaughter um because i think that most of your deck is just going to be ways to kill things really good at an efficient rate um but i guess if you're the only person with creatures then you're you're kind of winning um yeah i i really like this as just like a burn commander too like if your burn doesn't end up going to a creature like i would play a lot of cards like you said like the lightning bolts and whatnot mm-hmm. that work both ways because like you have the impulse drawn red now you have like a bunch of wheel effects like you're just kind of playing this funny like spell slingery burn deck which hasn't really been able to exist because they haven't really had the balls to print something <laughs> like sulfim um but now they did they just are giving them to us so I- i'm really into this deck i think you hit the nail on the head with the tech um and just i think a couple that- oh yeah 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 go for it a couple more things i want to throw out um so this is probably also a decent place to run some um group slug kind of effects like uh sulfuric vortex um maybe like pyrostatic pillar uh probably like price of progress seems insane here acidic soil seems insane here um and then because you are playing red and your commander has the potential to be indestructible you can have a lot of fun not only with um not only with world slayer but you can also like play devastation or jokelhaups or any of those cards that just blow up the world and conveniently leave your indestructible sulfim alone yeah and of course there's our sick nasty suite of of a indestructible counter package in this case though i think you get a little bit extra because like when you put the counter on your invenerals disc or your boom pile or whatever that also protects you from like yoko hops and uh devastation and stuff like that so um yeah i i pretty into this guy and again this is uh this one's also very very easy to get the counter on so the black one you don't have to spend any mana but this one you don't really have to invest anything other than five mana instead of four mana into him in order to get the counter so pretty easy um and that brings us to green once Uh again i I once again find myself wishing that there were more good madness cards but oh yeah absolutely oh well Uh, there there is you're about to move on to Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I actually do think that um, the Madness Lightning Bolt, I can't remember what it's fiery. Yeah, probably worth it. But like that once you get once you try to like find the third good Madness card in red, it's like, yeah, you're having you're having a bad day. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so let's get on to green. So this first one is another familiar face. This is Thrun Breaker of Silence. So Thrun is a 5-5 troll shaman for 5 mana, 3 green green. Thrun says the spell can't be countered. Familiar. Uh, Thrun has trample. Uh, Thrun Breaker of Silence can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control and abilities from non-green sources your opponents control. Uh, and as long as it's your turn, Thrun has indestructible. So weird, non-green, hexproof, can't be countered, 5-5 five, five, trample, indestructible on your turn. All for five mana. So continuing the tradition of green rares and mythics, just needing way too many lines of text. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think about Thrun? Um, I don't have strong thoughts. I mean, I, I will say that like, he has like a couple of the qualifications needed for a good Voltron commander um, in that he's difficult to kill and he has like a form of evasion with trample. Um, but that's a little bit boring. Um, you can do mean things with World Slayer, but there's not much else you can do. Uh, I, I mean, I guess like your commander is indestructible and hard to like and like not easy to mess with in terms of spot removal so i guess like you could run a lot of prey upon effects like a lot of just fight spells and eat stuff um but not highly inspired beyond that do you have cool tech for thrun absolutely not <laughs> okay. like pretty much world slayer is the coolest thing you can do with thrun and we've already had five mana commanders in black and or other colors that are indestructible that can do that. We talked about four of them so far <laughs> this episode. So um, I I just don't care about this. But uh, nice to see he's alive. You know, he didn't, didn't die yet. That's cool. A little story beat for everybody. Um, but yeah, can I read off this last Dominus? Go for it. So this is Soprandel. Oh, sorry. Let me say that one more time because I said it wrong. So, so, so Pandrel, so Pandrel, hunger dominus. Some funny consonants in there <laughs> in weird places. So, this is a four six reach uh, for seven mana, five green green. It is a Phyrexian horror like the other ones. And it says at the beginning of each combat, double the power and toughness of each creature you control until end of turn. And it has green, green, sacrifice two other... Oh, sorry. Phyrexian green, Phyrexian green, sacrifice two other creatures, put an indestructible counter on Soprendrel. So, uh, that's, kind of, that's a kind of big ask when it's not providing you the fodder <laughs> for it. Like, all the other ones, except for the red one, basically give you the fodder if you just are doing what they say. This one is like, no, 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 no. You gotta... You got to get those two creatures down. So it is actually a lot more of a cost. Um, uh, I don't know if it's that bad because like you can just you, like if you're running mana dorks, that's makes it easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just sack them. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, it probably will be pretty easy to get down. But um, what do you think about this commander? Like, what is this deck uh, going to look so, like? Do you think? Uh, I mean, my first thought was like uh, Xenagos God of Revels um, is running the kind of things that work in that deck. Like there are some five plus power infect creatures or like, you know, um, Hydra Omnivore or, or things like that. Just things that 
uh, swing really hard normally and become like e- extremely painful when you double them. Um, but like, damn, seven is a lot more than five, and this is a lot more fragile than Xenagos is. Um, it just seems like a significantly worse deck. I would think about maybe running this in the 99 of a Xenagos deck, just because like it gets it it increases your ability to like just double things. Yeah. Yeah, um, one shot's even better. <laughs> really, I, I just think this is like the worst member of the Dominus cycle. Um it's just so expensive compared to everything else. And um mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not super keen on it. I, I will say that I like that all the, yeah. the Dominuses use like Hebrew phonemes. That's kind of cool and flavorful. Um but yeah, yeah I actually I like, like that design. too. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I again I I agree this is probably my least favorite. This is probably my least favorite of the Dominus. Um, and I, I had to look up the other cards that do things similar. So like the the two things that came to mind was God Eternal Ronus, which is a five five for five. It has the like if it would die or exile, you can put it third from the top of your deck. Um, so you can draw it again, and then it has an ETB trigger of double the power and toughness of each of your creatures and give them vigilance until end of turn. Um, not a very popular commander. I think it had like 900 decks on EDH rec, but it's in about 20,000 decks, like in, in the 99. The other one is Unnatural Growth, which is an enchantment from uh, Midnight Hunt. It costs five mana. It's one green, 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 green. So a very green spell. Uh, but it's in 40,000 decks on EDH rec, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, so what I'm assuming is going to happen with so- Soprandrel is that it's going to be in the 99 of decks more than the commander. Like you said, like this is pretty good in Xenogod, but it's also pretty good in like the top end of most. Like if you're playing uh, werewolves with uh, what's his face from... Oh, the, God. oh God! The three mana werewolf guy. I'm blanking on his name. Um, it doesn't matter if you're playing werewolves. If you're playing like any like deck that kind of goes wide and green, you're this will probably end a game pretty quick in the same way that Unnatural Hunger does. And it's a four seven that like can stick around, that can block. You know, it's a little bit more interactive. You can tutor for it. So. But, Maybe, maybe see it there. I think that's probably the best place. And then, uh, as is tradition, nesting grounds is pretty good to move that indestructible counter around. Never rolls disc and boom pile work pretty well with that. Uh, you can you can world slayer win con with this, and the Ozolith keeps the uh, indestructible counter around. Uh, and also, if you're in green, probably other counters. So, all right, we did it. We sang the song five times. Uh, we've summoned the Phyrexians to. Uh, this plane of existence probably or something and we can move on while uh while we wait for the the tree to get here so what's uh what's the next that we finally got through the monocolor commanders what is this next uh guy <laughs> who are we talking about now all right this is malkator purity overseer it is one white blue for a one one legendary creature for elephant wizard uh definitely had to drop down the font size for that one 
when Malkator, Purity Overseer, enters the battlefield, create a 3-3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. And at the beginning of your end step, if three or more artifacts entered the battlefield under your control this turn, create a 3-3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature. Uh, okay, personally, I think this reward is pretty bland for a hoop that's not especially easy to jump through. Like making three artifacts per turn uh, is not the easiest. And I just want to emphasize that like some of the things you might be thinking, well, what if I just like run teleportation circle and blink uh, like a mere battle sphere or blink a precursor golem? Or what if I run Thassa deep dwelling and just blink those things down, blah, 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 blah. If it's at the end step, it's too late because then Malkator won't trigger. It needs to happen like during your, uh, during like your main phases or combat or something. Um, so that kind of limits your options there. You could always like Gale Powder Mage or something, or use like an Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like this is a lot of work. It's not like the obvious solutions aren't effective. And your reward for jumping through this hoop is one extra three three, um, which <laughs> you know, as as we all know is kind of negligible in Commander. So I'm yeah, not crazy about this design. Yeah, um, I think like what you do with this deck is you are making artifact tokens with it instead. Um, we've gotten a large amount of cards that make like artifact tokens um whether that is one one artifact soldier creature tokens or investigating to get clues or getting treasure or whatever so i think if that was kind of what my focus was on and then i'd get just a three three for my trouble to like do what i was trying to do anyway then that doesn't seem crazy bad to me i don't think it's very strong but i could see someone wanting to do something like that. Um, and if you are going to do that, I think Academy Manufacturer is probably one of the best cards for you because it turns every food or treasure or whatever that you might end up making into a golem as well. So it makes that way easier to do. Um, but honestly, I'm kind of like you. Like I'll probably brew this on Cockatrice and then never make it. I just want to see what it looks like and it seems like a little bit more trouble than it might be worth um but that's kind of one of the things about a lot of these like multicolored commanders in this set is like they're cheap like this is three mana so you just start doing whatever you want to do like that turn. <laughs> like like you you can turn four you're you're cranking out artifact tokens and getting a three three to block with or whatever i don't know i don't know if it's good enough but it it's doing its job uh which gets me to the next commander which is another cheap guy that may not be worth the uh the juice may not be worth the squeeze on so can i read off this guy yes go for it so this is venser corpse puppet this is a one three uh, legendary creature, Phyrexian, zombie, wizard. Uh, f- so cost blue, black for that. Uh, Venser Corpse Puppet has lifelink and toxic one. And whenever you proliferate, choose one. If you don't control a creature named the Hollow Sentinel, create the Hollow Sentinel. 
a legendary 3-3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. Or target artifact creature you control gains flying and lifelink until end of turn. So you turn your... Well, basically you juice your proliferates. Whenever you proliferate, you get one of those two triggers. So what is this? (laughs) This is a very strange card. You know, you said... You you mentioned that like a lot of these commanders are cheap, um, and that is true. But if being cheap means they like have to power them down to this extent, then I would be okay paying a little bit more upfront so that I can have a more compelling deck. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that sentiment. Honestly, yeah, like uh, the so first off, like you need to have some sack outlets so that you can convert the hollow sentinel into something more useful. Um, or and like get another hollow sentinel to replace it because the the second mode on this is like flavor text that I would almost never choose that mode unless I was really unless I was really really hurting for life. Um, but really, I, I see this as like uh, you know, proliferate being converted into a creature, convert the creature into something useful. And that's like the engine you're working with. The, I mean, you, you just kind of beyond that, you run like all the good proliferate cards. Um, it's one kind of neat thing is that uh, a Geth's throne, or sorry, throne of Geth has tap, sack an artifact, proliferate. So you can tap, sack your hollow sentinel, proliferate, immediately get another hollow sentinel. And let me check the wording on Dross Scorpion real quick. I might just be uh, deciphering a combo on the air here. Um, okay, whenever Dross Scorpion or another artifact creature dies, you may untap target artifact. So, okay, so there you go. You, we, we solved it. You uh, get your Dross Scorpion, you get your Throne of Geth, you sack your Hollow Sentinel, uh, Throne of Geth then proliferates, and when the Hollow Sentinel dies... The draw scorpion triggers, untaps your throne of geth. The proliferate from throne of geth makes another hollow sentinel. You're back where you started, except a 3 3 colorless Phyrexian golem artifact creature token has entered and then left the battlefield. Um, so you're you got to win from there, but you're in good color identity for tutors, so it might actually not be that difficult to assemble this. Yeah, that that's the one thing. So, like, the fact that this is two mana and the fact that it is black, I think, is the saving grace of Venser. Like, this is a really weird card, but I there might be something here in regards to that kind of combo line. Um, I'm just going to leave it to the listeners to test and figure out because I, I, there's too, much, <laughs> too many <laughs> commanders for me to brew and I'm already building a stupid dragon again and stuff. So, um yeah, I don't know. Do you want to keep on moving and keep on going through these uh, multicolor guys? Yeah, I, I'm, honestly, I'm going to make a sweeping generalization here. I think uh-huh. all these ally color ones are a little bit underwhelming. But Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to absolutely agree. I mean, we haven't gotten to the rest of them. Honestly, most of these multicolor commanders are underwhelming. There's probably like two or three. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> and the rest are... Um, the rest are Vencers and 
Malkator. <laughs> so, I, okay, I, I glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, um, let, let's get through this slog. Uh, so next we have Kethic Crucible Goliath. It is two black red for a four four legendary creature Phyrexian Beast. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-legendary creature card with lesser mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this uh, doesn't seem super easy to break. Um, I, I was My first thought was just like, run a bunch of value dudes because like flipping from like a chupacabra into like uh a big game hunter or something that's cool i guess um or like flipping i get into like a sedge scorpion or whatever the i don't know uh yeah <laughs> you had some ideas what were you thinking about doing with kethic yeah, and I can't take credit for this because this is something that like people on Twitter and people in our Discord were talking about, but uh Kethic Crucible Goliath is probably the best version of the like black red limited archetype they always never quite get to work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where you threaten uh, a creature and opponent controls and then sack it. And I think in that instance you, the deck is just going to look like threaten effects like some some decent ones and then some value creatures are really not super far off from what you were talking about but um you do end up getting to play things like captivating crew um i don't know conquering manticore you get to play some silly cards in the exchange that can come out and steal things you get to play some sack outlets it's really not anything exciting or stupendous or i would even think very good but if you're someone who really likes that limited gameplay this is probably gonna scratch that itch for you um and that's kind of all that i think about it because the the only other versions of this that we've gotten were like murder king so uh the first version the two mana one and like angie made of dishonor which is like much much worse than this too (laughs) like angie made of dishonor has to sacrifice another creature or a blood token each opponent loses two life and you gain two life so much much worse than this one which is just sack the guy you stole and get a free i don't know montu the glorified or something like so i I like that i like that build that sounds pretty fun yeah so it seems seems fine to me you know i'm I'm. this is one of the ones that i'm not as down on as uh let's say the next guy we're about to do what a segue uh yeah all right uh next we have miglaw's maze crusher it is one red green for a four four legendary creature phyrexian beast miglaw's enters the battlefield with five oil counters on it you can pay one and remove an oil counter from it to give it vigilance and menace until end of turn you can pay two and remove two oil counters from it to give it plus two plus two until end of turn. And you can pay three and remove three oil counters from it to destroy target artifact or enchantment. Um, I don't know about you. I really do not care about the first two activations on this card. Um, I don't at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and also like getting one naturalized for every like three proliferates doesn't seem like a very good rate. Um, 
like maybe you run a little bit of proliferation and then Miglaws shoots two things before he dies and then you recast him or something. Uh, I, I but, hate that though. It's also, it's still three mana to do it too. You know, it's not yeah, even like, it's like a lot uh, of your turns tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This card sucks. Yeah. This card sucks. And uh, I was really hoping this next character would have been cooler too. Cause they were such an you interesting can change one word on this card and it becomes tight. And yeah, you... exactly. <laughs> I know exactly the word you're talking about. So this is Malira, the living cure. This is a 3-3 three, three human scout. Uh, Melira is a two-mana creature, green-white. So Melira's been, you know, fighting the good fight, beefing up a little bit. Uh, we got a 3-3 three, three for two now. So this is what Melira says. If you would get one or more poison counters, instead you get one poison counter, and you can't get additional poison counters this turn. So it kind of stems the tide a little bit. And exile Melira, the living cure, choose another target creature or artifact when it is put into a graveyard this turn return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control uh, sorry. <laughs> the exile it's so gnarly the exile it's so gnarly that's so much you're asking so much like when Safi eric's daughter already exists you know yeah just give me a second Safi eric's daughter i won't even like i will often complain like oh this is the same as this other commander but no, with, I will take a second Safi Eric's daughter because Safi yeah, Eric's daughter is absolute gas in the main deck if you're trying to do graveyard loops. Um, but yeah, this doesn't work so good. Uh, currently, you could use it to just like, I guess, get a second use out of your like Nev's Disc or O-Stone. Um, but I am, I don't find this card very compelling. Nope. Again, just a kind of a clunker right there. So, oops. Uh, this next one's not a clunker. This next one's actually pretty interesting. This is Rhea Ivor, Bane of Bladehold. Um, so I I love this like take on the the battle cry mythics from like the <laughs> Mirrodin of old. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. So Rhea Ivor is a four mana three four Phyrexian Knight. Uh, they cost two white black. They have battle cry. So battle cry just as a refresher is when this creature attacks, your other creatures get plus one plus O oh until end of turn. And they have this uh, pretty wild trigger. So at the beginning of combat on your turn, the next time target creature would deal combat damage to one or more players, this combat prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, create that many one, one colorless Phyrexian might, uh, artifact creature tokens with toxic one and this creature can't block so the mites always do that no matter what color what card makes them the mites are one ones that can't block with toxic one uh, and their artifact creatures um but this is actually kind of cool i actually kind of like this one <laughs> no i'm, I'm kind of into it again i was only slandering the the allied pairs oh yeah um, absolutely <laughs> it, it is kind of funny that this is the only card in the set with battle cry but the reference is cool i think it's possible it would have been lost on some people if they didn't throw that on there um so yeah there's a lot of fun things to do here uh i like the idea of running sack outlets um or just to make use of those mites because you know they are not normally so good in combat marionette mes- master could be kind of cool here like you're you are making a lot of artifacts off of ria Avor. 
um, and Marionette Master makes it so that whenever those little mites die, you're dealing four to somebody. It just becomes pretty significant in large numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of good buffs in this color identity. You can also, uh, in addition to the normal ones, you can run things like Tempered Steel or like Steel Overseer if you do want to turn those mites sideways. Yeah, it seems like a, a neat token generator commander. I'm, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, yeah, I love like artifact creature tokens in this color identity because you can utilize them pretty well in both colors. Uh, and the fact that this is like an interesting go wide guy is cool. Um, I love that the like little white limited dorks that have three plus power are like decent token generators in this deck too, or like the the little double strikers or little flying guys all of a sudden can like explode out. So not like quite as explosive as other things we've seen, but definitely pretty cool. Oh, I, um, will, I will say one thing before we move on. Um, oh yeah. Unfortunately, double strike does not work so good with Rhea of War because oh. the way she's worded, it's uh, mm-hmm. the next time target creature would deal combat damage. Uh, so yeah, only counts the first hit, unfortunately. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I'm glad you caught me. <laughs> that's all right. I wish it was worded more like, uh, What's the name of that elf commander from the Kaldheim precons? Uh, it's like Lathril oh, or yeah, mm-hmm, Math- mm-hmm. Lathril. Because that one's just like when he deals combat damage to a player, create that many one-one elves. Mm-hmm. But I guess it is nice that like um, Rhea Avor is like active the turn you cast her, even if you don't give her haste, because you can just target whatever you played on turn three. So yeah, I guess there's a trade-off there. Um, yeah, I, I am happy to move on now, though. Yeah, absolutely. So this next one is uh, another familiar face. So this is Glissa Sunslayer. Uh, so Glissa Sunslayer is a three-three legendary creature, Phyrexian zombie elf uh, for three mana, one black green. Uh, they or she has first strike, death touch, uh, and this triggered ability. Whenever Glissa Sunslayer deals combat damage to a player, choose. Uh, choose one of them, draw a card and lose a life, destroy target enchantment, or remove up to three counters from target permanent. So how do you feel about that? Uh, So she is like, I I would say less exciting than Glissa the Traitor. Glissa the Traitor was very cool, but there are still some things you can do with this. Like you can give her double strike, uh, you can give her a pinging ability, um, you can like use the destroy target enchantment even if like your opponents don't have good targets you can use it to get out of some of like black's contract enchantments um oh i like that so like what what's the name of that thing it's like uh treacherous oh, something um treacherous blessing is two and a black enchantment when it enters the battlefield draw three cards whenever you cast a spell you lose one life um so you can just pop that immediately and not have to worry about taking the damage. Um, I think there, there's got to be like something. So like I, I was looking at the remove up to three counters from target permanent. Like sure, you can if your opponents have planeswalkers or whatever, you can strip them a little bit. Um, I was thinking like I guess you can get a dark depths to tick down faster. But is there anything else that you really want to tick down? in this color identity um no i can't really think of anything (laughs) like uh, what was that one 
enchantment, the alt win con that was in the Necron deck or the lose con, you know, it was like, you know oh, what I'm talking about? Um, it was like mill cards equal to the counters on it. And you can cast creatures from your graveyard. Um, but then you lose when you have no cards to out of the tombs. But yeah, yes. you don't really want to tick that down because like you ideally would want to mill cards, wouldn't you? Um, cause it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh well, oh well maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's something cool to do with it. I, yeah. I think at worst case scenario, you just draw a card off of her and that is fine. I guess that's exactly how I'd say she's fine. I think the enchantment thing is cute. You can lily on his contract and whatever. And, and, uh, or, or a demonic demo- pact. That yeah. One. Demonic pact. That's the one. Um, but this next one is pretty wild, as most Simic commanders <laughs> end up being. This, um, this next one is my favorite commander in the set, actually. Oh, nice. So do you want to get into it then? Yeah. Uh, Azuri Stalker of Spheres is two green blue for a legendary creature, Phyrexian Elf Warrior. When Azuri enters the battlefield, you may pay three. If you do, proliferate twice. Whenever you proliferate, draw a card, and he's a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, this I have been having a lot of fun goldfishing with this deck um so first off like uh i almost never pay him play him for seven i just cast him as soon as i possibly can uh get him down and then just start going off with my proliferate engines there are a lot of good proliferate engines in this color identity you've got your bloated contaminator you've got your uh, evolution sage you've got your flux channeler You've got your guild packed informant. You got your park rights maverick. You got your drumming bird. Um, there's just uh, a lot of good stuff. Staff of completion, and, and of course, like in, you know, inexorable tide. Uh, there's a couple spells that proliferate as just kind of a rider on normal useful effects. Uh, so lots of good ways to proliferate in this color identity. And then in terms of proliferation targets. Um, as we mentioned earlier with uh, Tekuthal, there's Astral Cornucopia, Everflowing Chalice. Um, but I'm going to focus more on like the ones that you get access to in this color identity. So you can, like Fathom Mage is an excellent one. Um, Fathom Mage is two green blue for a 1 1 with Evolve. And whenever a plus plus one counter is put on Fathom Mage, you may draw a card. So if you have Fathom Mage out and you get at least one counter on her, then it's kind of just like a second copy of your commander because every proliferation is triggering a Zuri and it's also putting a counter on Fathom Mage, which draws you another card. Another neat one is Benthic Biomancer. This is a one cost one one that with uh, two, you can pay two and adapt one. And then whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on it, you draw a card, then discard a card. Not as good as Fathom Mage, but lets you churn through your deck pretty effectively. And then there are a couple, th- oh, okay. There's also Nissa Vital Force. Um, Nissa Vital Force is three green green for a five loyalty planeswalker, Nissa. And she has minus six. You get an emblem with whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. So if you can cast her and then proliferate immediately just by like, I don't know, turning a thrumming bird sideways or activating your um, your staff of completion, then you can pop her ultimate uh get the emblem and then you just have like landfall draw a card for the rest of the game other cool things um spike weaver you can remove it comes into play with a bunch of plus plus one counters and you can remove a plus plus one counter from spike weaver to make his other creatures deal no combat damage this turn so that's uh incredibly effective at just 
preventing people from killing you, uh, assuming they don't have spot removal. Other cool things. Um, Strixhaven Stadium. If you get 10 point counters on it, you win the game. So that's quite a... I mean, it's a tempting target for a proliferate deck. Also, Magistrate Scepter. Um, three cost artifact. You can pay four, tap it, put a charge counter on it, and then you can tap and remove three charge counters from it to take an extra turn after this one. In my goldfishing, this has been kind of like my default win condition. Um, but it's... It, I mean, maybe season to taste if your meta isn't super keen on infinite turn combos and last thing i want to mention is just that there are a couple cards that aren't quite proliferating but they just work really well in this deck anyway so like Ikramoon gauntlet is oh god yeah <laughs> yeah uh two and a blue for an artifact um it has some trinket text about planeswalkers. Don't worry about that. But it has whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose a counter on target permanent, put an additional counter of that kind on that permanent. So that's... Uh, yeah, you're not going to be able to put counters on everything. But if your goal is just to like put at least three counters on Magistrate Scepter every turn, this will help you accomplish that. Um, similarly, Skyship Plunderer doesn't quite proliferate, but... Uh, it will also help put counters on things when that's what you need. Yeah. Okay. I think that's everything I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to add one very quick thing. I think that is just a feature of green decks is that especially in this deck where like two of your best proliferation engines are creatures themselves. It's, it's so easy to tutor for them. Mm-hmm. Like your worldly tutor gets them your, uh, I don't know, any number of, court of calling variants get them you know green sun zenith we'll get one of them like it you're always pretty much going to be able to execute on your game plan really well with this deck and it seems very strong so with that said uh, let's get to the next Uh one last thing i want to say sorry oh Uh, yeah go for it generous patron is also very sick in this deck that's (laughs) green for a one four when enters the battlefield support two so you can put a pulse encounter on each of up to two other target creatures and then it has whenever you put one or more counters on a creature you don't control, draw a card. So that also will let you just draw a ton of cards as you proliferate, providing you're proliferating counters on your opponent's creatures. Yeah. Um, okay, we have a list in the episode description. Check it out. This deck seems really, really sweet. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so this next commander is the um, Is It One. So this is, it's, I did not expect this. Uh, this is Ovika Enigma Goliath. So Ovika is a 7-mana 6-6 flyer with ward 3 and pay 3 life. So the ward cost is 3 and 3 life. Um, And what it does, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create X 1-1 red Phyrexian goblin creature tokens, where X is the mana value of the spell. They gain haste until end of turn. Um, Hmm, wow. (laughs) What do you think about this? Uh, Well, it looks a hell of a lot like the locust god um but slightly more expensive and harder to combo with uh like the locust god has a couple of cards where if you just have it and the locust god on the battlefield at the same time you probably just win where yeah. that's not really the case with ovika with ovika you have to cast it and then uh look everyone in the eye and and see if they are willing to 
allow you to do your thing before yeah. you untap with her and then you start playing the game. Um, so I, I don't know if if you want to turn tokens sideways in, or if you want to make a lot of tokens and turn them sideways in blue red, I would probably prefer to do the locust god. Um, this just seems really uh, this seems a lot harder to work with. That's yeah, I totally opinion. agree. I think the the one thing this has going for it is I've been really surprised at how much the War Two on like Miriam, like the Dragon Spirit Sentinel, whatever the the Tamir Dragon Commander was. Um, the War Two on that has been like way more impressive than I thought it would be. So I think that this is going to be the same. Like this will stick around probably a little bit better than uh, you think it's going to, or I thought it like Miriam was going to. You know. Um, that being said, like, yeah, this is kind of just a worse lo- Locust God. So if you're looking for that, like a similar gameplay, but maybe nerfed, then here's Avika. And if you are looking for a more powerful version of this, just, just play the Locust God, which uh, gets us to the next, uh, second to last multi, well, technically, second to last multicolor creature. There's technically a five color creature. And that's right. But um, this is Jorkadine first Gold Warden. So Jorkadine First Gold Warden is a 2-2 human rebel with trample for two mana. It costs a red and a white. So whenever Jorkadine First Gold Warden attacks, you uh, well, he gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of equipped creatures you control. Then if Jorkadine's power is four or greater, you draw a card. So honestly very very easy to get that extra card like any equipment that gives plus one plus one on jorkadeen uh means he draws a card because he buffs himself too like Mm -hmm. he counts himself in that so really really not hard to get (laughs) any an extra card out of this um it's two mana uh how do you feel about this what do you what are you thinking about jorkadeen uh i just don't think that drawing one extra card per turn is not i just don't think drawing one extra card per turn is very compelling um in terms of like being like like clearly he wants you to equip him probably so it's a voltron commander but it doesn't have a ton of things that a voltron commander really wants like trample is one of the least effective forms of evasion and he doesn't have haste he doesn't have like a huge amount of power naturally um and he doesn't have like protection in any way he doesn't he's not resilient to removal so i do not love this card i i think he's fine i i like him more than you do i think but i'm still not like gonna evangelize for jorkadine i'll, I'll but, just say this compared to wyleth compared to wyleth mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean i think they're they've beaten the boros equipment like model into the dust you know like mm-hmm. how many more versions of this are we gonna get over the next few <laughs> years you know um it just seems like they're pushing it so hard but i, I mean the fact that you can go turn to jor turn three like a cheap equipment with like either a free or cheap cost to attack and draw a card like that means you're starting to get commander damage that means you're you've drawn at least one card you'll probably draw another one next turn which is probably fine it means it's gonna 
not hurt as much when he does die or get wrath or something like that. So I, I think he's uh, fine with the quotes and I'm going to leave him there. Again, I, I do really like, like I do value being able to um, start your game plan like so early, <laughs> like to me that that is worth something. I, I agree. I, I, you know, cheap commanders are pretty sick, but like I, there still has to be like some potential and I'm just going to like feel like a chump if you know <laughs> other people like azuri's going off like crazy and meanwhile my turn six is like i attack with jorkadine he gets plus one plus one i draw my one card i pass <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's we we're gonna get so many of these kind of commanders this year is my guess you know like draw a card a turn for jumping through a hoop or something so uh, i would hope not that is a dark uh, future you have you have just described to us yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw money down on that so listeners please hold me accountable if uh <laughs> if this doesn't happen <laughs> but um we do have this is the last multicolor tech oh okay we have the five color guy but he's cost zero colors right. in his mana cost tell know. me about the only four color commander in this yes game. this is the only four color commander is atraxa grand unifier so atraxa grand unifier is a seven seven flying vigilance death touch lifelink phyrexian angel for seven mana three green white blue black so a four color commander look at that uh, and has this just doozy of an ETB trigger, basically. So when Atraxa Grand Unifier enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Can you so, remind me what the card types are really quick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, it's... Uh, artifacts, uh, battles, creatures. Oh, 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 we all know what? battles, what was that? right? What was that last you know, We all know what battles do, right? Everyone remembers <laughs> battles. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually the, the most notable thing about... This is basically like a Nibmizit five-color, the whatever, the Nibmizit... The yeah, yeah. A big, pack, expensive, multicolor thing. You draw a billion cards when there's a battlefield. Sure. Yeah, so like whatever. But the, the big thing about this card is that battles uh, is a listed card type on here. Uh, and battles are supposed to come out in uh, March of the Machines, which is the... Uh, well, we, we don't know that for sure, but we expect oh, I guess that's it. True. Yeah. yeah, we're expecting it to happen then. Um, but yeah, they have not said that that is the case, but often they do stuff like this. Oh, man. It's, it's a set later, you know. Okay, okay. can we like... Do we want to do like the speculation first and then the like analysis of atraxa for a second or, or how do you want to do this uh let's get atraxa out of the way and then talk about battles. okay sure uh so i think this is a pretty bland design i feel it feels like they started from how can we get reminder text hinting at this future card type onto a legendary onto a card in the set that was their starting point and they worked backward from there to get this card. I don't think this is like of super compelling design. Like, as you mentioned, you just kind of cast your commander and draw a bunch of cards. 
And I guess like you run some blink effects so that you can get even more cards without having to recast her. Yeah. Um, if you've got like a food chain combo list, like if you're recasting a mist hollow Griffin or an eternal scourge or whatever, then this could be a win condition for that. You could just have your win condition in the command zone. Um, cause you know, you'll just kind of get your whole library into your hand and presumably be able to win from there. Um, I just make sure that you're like using the hypergeometric calculator and like diversifying your card types and making it so that you're not like super lopsided on one card type. Otherwise, like it's not, the value is not going to work out so great. Uh, any other thoughts on Atraxa before we talk about battles? (laughs) Absolutely none. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, so speculation on battles. I, would guess so there's probably going to be like some sort of like a lot of battles in uh march of the machines maybe like do you think they'll be named like battle for kaladesh battle for zendikar battle for like yeah i think i i think they'll be like probably like like uh vehicles there's probably going to be like one or two a set and they're going to be named after like places or events that the like designers or the story team want you to like pay attention to. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. Like most set storylines do have like some sort of conflict that they're oriented around. I think that for this first set in which they appear, they are going to blow them out though, because it it is going to take place on so many planes at the same time. Um, Okay. More details, though. I think battle is going to be a permanent type, just because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like, really, we we already have like more non-permanent types than we need. Um, yeah. So, so like, I don't think there's a whole lot of design space in like new types of things that like you cast once, and then once it's on the stack, it just goes to the graveyard. Um, Okay, I think that it will have some mechanism for ending itself. Like I because like you know how when they had planeswalkers introduced, they just like retconned it so that every burn spell could hit planeswalkers and that creatures could hit planeswalkers. Like they want you to be able to remove this new card type with but like avoid the problem of like, well, we've never printed a destroy target battle in the previous 30 years of magic. So I think like either you're going to be able to attack them or they will be like some sort of condition under which they sacrifice themselves or they will like be time limited like sagas. I think there's going to have they're going to have some way to to die that just fits into the normal gameplay patterns of magic. Um I That's that's what I've sort of figured out so far. Let me see if I have Yeah. Any more ideas? You have thoughts? I think no. I honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head. I would just be parroting everything you just said. <laughs> like, I do think they're just going to be um, some. Like, my my guess is that these are going to become evergreen things. We get like one or two a set. Um, there's been a few different content creators that have talked about like the cryptic wording of Mark Rosewater's like tweets and and blog talk posts. So I think that's battles is part of it so basically mark rosewater was asked like because he he had made a comment saying um you said that this set is going to um 
change magic like forever like do you mean like the story or the gameplay and he said yes Ooh. <laughs> and so you know okay. what does that mean actually like we it remains to be seen <laughs> but Look, hold on can i add a little bit more potential speculation like one of oh, the absolutely. things that like people were were kind of uh focusing on is something that didn't work in or like was ended up being unused in war of the spark um and they called it skirmish and i'm just going to quote something from uh mark rosewater's article on this it, this was waging war of the spark part three it was published in 2019 um the idea behind skirmish was that we wanted there to be a battle between you and your opponent this battle would be overlaid onto the game and would gen- generate effects that affected the game. Uh, this would use an X. Ex- this is, I don't know if they're going to do this part. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, uh, when you performed one of the stated conditions, you advanced on the field towards the opponent's side on this little like skirmish game piece. Uh, if you advanced enough, you won the skirmish. Um, you would do this because there was a payout for winning, some sort of generated effect. Uh, and the main advancement was tied to dealing combat damage. We wanted the skirmish sub-game to tie directly into the main game. Um, and the trigger only cared about dealing combat damage. So pe- some people have speculated that like skirmish got morphed a little bit and that it became battle um it will remain to be seen until march of the machines but i think that like that might be a good guess for where to start your your battle speculation yeah absolutely so yeah all that said we got two more guys so so the next commander is urtet remnant of memnarch it is three mana for a 2-2 legendary artifact creature, Murr. Whenever you cast a Murr spell, create a 1-1 colorless Murr artifact creature token. At the beginning of combat on your turn, untap each Murr you control. And then it has white, blue, black, red, green. Tap, put three plus plus one counters on each Murr you control. Activate only during your turn. So... Uh, quick count. There are 90 Murr and or Changelings in Magic. Um, most of them are very, very bad. Like Omega Murr, for example, is just two mana for a 1-2 artifact creature Murr. That's it. Uh, there are also some Murr token generators. Um, but not as many as you might think. Um there's let's see less than 20 so oh yeah <laughs> not, not a huge number of them uh, and again not all of these are, are really costed to be competitive in commander and of course like the things that make mer tokens don't trigger the like mer creation ability on urtet most of the time okay uh and and the vast majority of all these Murr and Changelings and Murr tokens don't synergize especially well with Urtet's abilities. So there's like 10 or so mana Murr, and setting those aside, almost none of the remaining Murr have tap abilities. Um, so what I'm getting at is like, 
it is going to be difficult to get to the point where I tap five different mer and generate the mana to activate my Urtet and put counters on my guys. And then when I go into combat, I untap everything and get to swing with my big mer. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's extremely unlikely just because there's so few mer that actually tap for mana or even tap for anything particularly useful. Um, there's some. There, there's, there's a handful. You will draw one to two of them per game, um, but you're not going to get a full suite of guys. Some things to note. Um, so, so and, and really what that means is like if you want to do the pumping thing, you're going to be spending the majority of your turn's tempo to do it, uh, which seems like pretty expensive for what you're doing. Notably, you can tap your Mur and tap Urtet and put the counters on. Um, and if you can give your guys vigilance, then you can like swing with them and then potentially add the counters again. That could be kind of sweet. Uh, you can also throw in some cards that grant you the ability to tap your Mur for mana. So once you get out like a um, like a Cryptolithrites or something similar, then it becomes then then the untap ability becomes like a lot more relevant um but you need to get that down first you can also like run opposition or uh glare of subdual and just use your guys to tap down your opponent's stuff and then untap them and then swing get, you know maybe get some blockers out of the way uh so th- there's some cool things you can do um i still don't I still think this is like a little bit of a clumsy design. Um, like, like the like I said, the mer don't inherently, or most mer don't inherently synergize super well with this. You have to like grant abilities to your mer to make them worth tapping and worth untapping. Um, in which case, like you could have put any creature type on this card, then couldn't you? Like if it said, <laughs> if it said, you know, mites. Uh, or at the beginning of combat on your turn, untap each might you control, and then you can put counters on your mites. You know, you'd still be running the same cards that make mites useful. What you know, the the cryptolithrites or glare of subdual or whatever. Uh, it, it just like doesn't it doesn't matter that your cards are mirror is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's and, definitely and that, true. That to me is is clumsy. I. I like you can do something with the fact that like every single mirror ever printed is an artifact creature. There's something there or like they're almost entirely all colorless. There's something there. Um, but 10 of them tap 10 or so of them tap and the rest of them are just, you know, kind of, kind of dorky little guys. Dorky little guys. Yeah. I, so I, so everything you have said is true. Like I, I think like mechanically, like looking at this card, it's incredibly clunky. It's not really what like mer players like needed. I think the problem is it's like what they think they wanted. Um, so I think but like mm-hmm. wizards has to be mom and dad. Wizards has they <laughs> <laughs> they have to give I mean, you what you need, not what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so where where i stand with this is that like i think 
we've seen now that this they are willing to in the right circumstances print more mer they printed mer in like modern horizon sets the time spirals the obviously we have this if depending on what happens to phyrexia like we may or may not come back or there might be mer here or other places or who knows what's going to happen in march of the machines you know um and i think that having this mer commander means that if they if slash when they print future mer cards um that we're going they'll, they'll probably lean into like urtet's suite of things to do is my guess so i i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that urtet exists i just think it's not a good design for what they did but i think having an urtet just makes people happy like i think if you were to look at the criticisms of urtet online there'd be more positive reviews than negative and just because people like mer i I think there are a lot of positive reviews right now from people who like mer and who have not yet played with urtet and I think that perhaps if more reviews get added to to the internet after people get the chance to build and play with their Urtet deck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I disagree. The I think may like, change. No, well, I, I actually don't agree with that. I think the Mer players are going to be happy with whatever bone was thrown at them. You know, like if you're the type of player who like wants to play with a specific tribe because you like the shape of their noses or something like you probably <laughs> then there's no help for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's you're just going to be happy with whatever toy uh Papa Wizzies throws your way. So Okay. I I don't I I think that this is enough to make the murder players happy and wizards knew that and I think future Mur will maybe lean into him but I I yeah uh, I don't. Not to speak ill of people who build decks like that. I think there is like if that is what makes you happy, like you should do it. But as far as like other enfranchised players who might have wanted to be like, oh, I would have loved to play with Mormur. Like this is definitely a disappointment to them. You know, <laughs> like that's that's definitely true. But um, there is one more colorless commander. Do we want to talk about this guy? There is actually. Well, okay. I guess it depends on how you're defining colorless. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Uh, yes, it is Graz, Unstoppable Juggernaut. It is eight mana for a seven five legendary artifact creature, Juggernaut. Juggernauts you control attack each combat if able. Juggernauts you control can't be blocked by walls. And other creatures you control have base, power, and toughness five three and are Juggernauts in addition to their other creature types. Uh, I was watching a, a video. Um, Gavin Verhey was doing a box opening of All B One today, and he described Graz as a juggernaut tribal commander, which is to me an insane thing to say because <laughs> that is wild. If you make everything else into a juggernaut and then give it some bonus for being a juggernaut, then it's not really juggernaut tribal. I'm not trying to put juggernaut or dark steel juggernaut or anything else into my deck i'm trying to put like super cheap utility creatures that will then become big old juggernauts when graz is on the field Um, that's so funny yeah i i think of graz as just like a cool colorless creature reward you know yeah like that's so funny (laughs) 
Oh man. Yeah. The, I would say that I, so first I really do like Graz a lot. Um, uh, I really don't think this is a juggernaut commander. <laughs> um, but this is a Manadork the, commander. <laughs> yeah. This is a go wide in colorless commander. Like he doesn't care if you played a man armor or a soldier token. <laughs> like he is going to be a juggernaut and it's going to be a five, three and it's going to smash pretty hard. So that's so wild. To me. <laughs> I don't know. So do you want to get into any tech? Uh, Cause I, I really don't have much to, uh, to add. Yeah. Uh, I don't, about this card. I don't have a huge amount of tech. Um, it seems like pretty normal kinds of stuff. Um, you, I, I would just put in like as many artifact, or put in a bunch of artifact mana dorks, at least the, the good ones. Um, and just like artifact value creatures. It seems fine to just like, you know, play a duplicate, get your value, and then have it turn into like a slightly more sizable creature later. You know, you would probably run some mana rocks to help get Graz down because eight mana sure is a lot. That uh, is a lot. <laughs> I, I would also run, um, like man lands seem like pretty low opportunity cost to run because you aren't really you don't have like colorless mana requirements to think about. So it's kind of sweet that your like Muta Vault or Mistress Factory or Blink Moth Nexus can just spin up into a five three when you need it. Uh other than that, not huge things. Like I guess gruesome slaughter is pretty good here if you can keep your grass on the battlefield. Um, Gruesome Slaughter is 6 mana sorcery. Until end of turn, colorless creatures you control gain a tap. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature. So if all your guys are at least 5 threes, uh, then that beats pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's kind of where I'm at for Graz. I think this is not like... I mean, it's, it's not the most powerful commander for sure. Um, but it is a pretty significant boost to your aggro potential when your like mannequin becomes a, a five, three. I think this definitely is going to end games. I, I really, really appreciate like a lot more cards in the space of like, what can colorless do? That's not a 10 mana Eldrazi. <laughs> so even though this is it's eight, eight mana, mana juggernaut, <laughs> Yeah, even though this is eight mana, like it is going to play very differently, mm-hmm. and that's very cool to me. I, I'm like, oh, cool, yes, more colorless support. Like limiting yourself in commander is part of the fun of it, and we just really don't get that very often. They they very much like to print three plus color commanders that generate value, and it's like, but <laughs> like especially players who've been playing a while, like it's a lot more fun to play a two color deck than a five color deck. Cause it's hard to hold back when you have a five color deck, but Graz, you're like, well, no colors. Well, what do I have to do here? It's like a, a much more fun, like little brain tease to me. Yeah. At least. I feel no guilt about putting mana crypt into like a colorless deck. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels very fun and good. And uh, the deck is unique. It's going to play interestingly. So I'm just, yeah, happy grass exists, but that is it. That is the end of our legendary creatures. What is your takeaway from this batch? What? How do you feel about uh, all is one, all will be one? There were like a 
very small handful of commanders that I thought was like pretty compelling. Um, I liked overall. I liked the Dominus cycle. Uh, I really liked Azuri. Uh, I think that there's a there are like there's a bunch of these commanders that just like uh, don't seem like they are really intended to do stuff in EDH. That's kind of my yes. feeling. Yeah. No, they seem like arena plants or standard plants or limited bombs and not very much commander staples. Yeah. But that's, you know, it is whatever. Honestly, there's so many commanders that even like only getting four to five hits makes me happy. Um, Cause there was once a time when you would get a commander <laughs> in a set. So the fact that there's probably like eight or nine out of these that I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I'm into that. Yeah, it, it just feels worse for me because, you know, I was super excited for an, another set of yeah. Phyrexia. And so, like, I wanted the hit rate to be at least as good as, like, you know, Jumpstart 2022 or The Brothers War. But yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get that. And, and, yeah, it is it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever. But I'll, I'll take my Unctus. Unctus seems like it was designed specifically for me, so whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that is it. So thank you so much for listening and uh I I can't wait to hear what you all have to think about these guys too. There's there's a lot to process, but uh we hope that we helped you maybe clarify thoughts you were having. Maybe you can uh put some words to feelings I have about some of these guys that maybe I wasn't able to express very well, like Unctus and whatnot. So uh, let us know what you think. And and we always love hearing from you. Yes. Uh, and come back next week. We will be talking about the main deck cards, the ones we think have the, the most potential in commander. But before we go, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Kyle, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal Brutal, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, The Longs, and Vincent. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by Nick cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk pop punk band called the Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. Thank you.